Whoa. Living on a prayer. Middle East fans, we can make it, I swear. Whoa. Living on a prayer. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Maple Leafs fans are living on a prayer. Morgan Riley picking up the OT winner over the greasy bolts. Let's go. We got producer Clark in the house. Pete the Heat Leafs and five man himself. Let's go. This is Offside Hockey Talk brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co. What do you guys think? The Leafs take the 2-1 series lead, living on a prayer. It's Leafs Nation. Let's go. Yeah, we definitely butchered that opening, but that's okay. <laughs> we're hey, still listen, fired We're up. not musicians. No, I didn't I didn't get invited on this podcast for my singing ability. <laughs> Let's go. What do you guys think of last night? Obviously, we'll unpack the entire game, everything we haven't talked about so far since our last rendition of the Offside Hockey Talk podcast. But... I will tell you right now, I love the fact. What have I been saying all year about Austin Matthews? If he just dropped the flippers once, people would take him a little bit more seriously. And you know what? It took a few snuggy snugs to the face for him to finally do it. But he looked pissed. And he also looked like, hey, you know what? I can handle myself if I have to here. He didn't get the opportunity because they both fell down. But even my father-in-law, who is the biggest Habs fan, said if that big boy got a hold of Stamkos, he was going to fill him in because he is a guy that probably could get some things done with the fist. But we don't want him doing that, but it's still fun to see because it's playoff hockey. Even Kyle Dubas leaning over the barrier, telling <laughs> to go themselves and to get the hell out of here. Loving it. Guys, what did you think of the game as a whole before we break it down and get into the minutiae? We're going to break down last night's game first, though, right? Oh, yeah. We're breaking down last night's game it, first. I'm going to say right off the bat, like, it is so nice for once that we see this sort of game flipped and that the Leafs win this kind of game because we're so used to watching the Leafs dominate a game and then they end up losing it in overtime. I, I can't remember last time they won in overtime, Uh they, I don't think they won one last year, so it's it like in the playoffs. But uh, that was very refreshing. Watching Austin Matthews fight was interesting. Like it kind of pissed me off. But this, my favorite part of that was the the stat line that uh, the broadcast dropped, where in the first time in NHL history, you have two sixty goal scorers getting into a fight, which is uh, yeah, pretty interesting. But uh, uh, good game. Leafs are Leafs were. Didn't play their best game, but they they got the W, and that's all that matters. That's it, Clarky. What do you think? Yeah. So first of all, I love the Kyle Dubas videos that are flying around, and everybody's saying like, "Oh wow, what a classy GM of a team." And I as I put a comment on one of the videos that I saw, I was just like, "Hey guys, listen, class goes both ways." So yep. to me, Kyle Dubas uh, doesn't strike me as the type of guy who just would yell at a fan for no reason. Uh, he was getting harped on and chirped at the entire the entire game. I can almost guarantee it. And the fact that he like clapped back a little bit, especially after, because I'm pretty sure the big one where you saw him like really pointing at the guy, I think was like after the game tying goal. I, I have I'm not sure for that. Like I don't know. I haven't seen any timelines on that. But um, the fact that he was like, "Yeah, buddy, fuck you," <laughs> that made me, that made my day so much. We need John Boy to do the lip sync on that because I would oh I would God, need yeah. to know what he was saying. Yeah, totally. Um, but anyways, I think um 
for those either Tampa fans or just general hockey fans that are saying that Kyle Dubas needs to chill or that he, you know, he's not classy. Like, again, it goes both ways. Class goes both ways. If, if, if he was provoked, um, I think if, if he would have been just sitting there getting yelled at, everyone would have said he was a wuss. So, like, it, he, it was a no-win situation, but I'm glad he took that way because it's like, I just hope it pays off in the long run in terms of, like, he doesn't get, like, gift like you know like he doesn't get a gift made out of it and then it turns into this thing that yeah anyways (laughs) um the matthews thing i actually like during the live stream i was like i'm pretty that's got to be like one of the only times that 60 goal scores have ever fought each other and then it came out that it was so that's hilarious too um i also love like the john cooper stuff that are that's flying around oh yeah we're we're gonna get into every single little bit of it oh so yeah anyways i'll wait for that part then i'll save it but um Really, really intense game. Uh, second period was awful. Uh, third period, for the most part, not much going on. But uh, it turns out the Leafs outshot the Lightning in the third period, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then, I mean, the, the, if they didn't get off to as good of a start as they did, they probably would have lost that game. So the fact that they did get off to a pretty good start um, is encouraging, given the fact that what happened after in game one where they it was just awful. Um, so continue those good starts and, uh, good teams find ways to win. And that's what the Leafs did on Saturday night. So wasn't pretty, but it's two, one for the good guys. Now, not the other way around. I'll take it. That's the way it's always supposed to be though, right? Good teams apparently find ways to win. The Maple Leafs did that last night. I said to you in your live stream, Clark, when we were live, just me and you, that, the Toronto Maple Leafs, when they have a bad second period, they usually turn it up a little bit in the third. They took all the way to almost the last minute of play to do it, but they tied it up. And who other than Ryan O'Reilly, the guy they went out to get for the playoff experience, gets it done, gets on the board, solves the issue. And then the overtime goal, guys. In the last minute of OT, who better to get it than the guy who's been this city's proverbial whipping boy this season, can do no right, scores the overtime winner, and you hear the haters go on the screen last night for me was a game and it's been said many times today that the maple leafs usually lose it's a game they usually end up giving up the lead they don't battle back they don't tie it they don't win in ot those are the games the leafs have been known to habitually lose and for once they've broken through and also here's the other thing physical play Say what you want, Tampa Bay fans, that the Leafs are weak and you want to see the clips flying around about Maroon and all these guys chirping Shen, calling him softest baby shit and all this stuff. Listen, the Leafs have gone toe-to-toe with every single player that stood up and wanted to go. Whether it's Hall, who got tackled to the ice, doesn't matter, still dropped his flippers. Giordano, if he connected with one of those punches to Bogosian's face, I guarantee you his nose would be in another fucking state. So guarantee that. (laughs) He was swinging with haymakers, haymakers. And then you have what? Who else is in there scrapping it out? There's all, it's all over the ice. It's great to see guys, you know, Morgan Riley didn't maliciously hit point. And now they're like, oh, well, you know, Braden Point may not, uh, may not play game four. Okay. It was a hit. It could have gone either way. The shit that I don't like is what Kucherov did. And I don't like at all what Austin Matthews did. I think that was Bush League. Um, what Stamkos did to Austin Matthews. Sorry. 
mixed it up there, getting a little bit too oh. passionate. But to do that stupid yeah, screw story. Austin Matthews for yeah. those sticks and just cleaning up sticks and stuff. What an it's, asshole. It's crazy though. Like he had three sticks in his hand. How was there no extra? That's what I want to know. How is there no extra penalty to Steven freaking Stamkos? There should have been one, but there wasn't. Only Kucherov got a penalty. I'm I, I I couldn't believe that they got a power play out of that situation just in general. Like I know that it was it was messy and everything, but the fact that the Leafs came out of that with a power play, I was in my live stream, I was like, uh, okay, sure, great, let's do it, uh, <laughs> sweet. Uh, but, like, uh, like Sheldon Keefe, his quote is perfect on that. Like, the fact that he's called them out and said they were manipulating the, the officials on that one. Right. Knowing that somebody's getting a power play out of this, and the, since the Leafs are down, why not take O'Reilly, Riley, and Matthews off the ice uh, for the entire power play and longer? For nine uh, minutes. I that was really smart on uh, Stamkos' part. And, like, I don't blame him at all. I mean, I, I, I don't love the situation, but how can you blame him for at least putting his team into that situation? Because it really – it ended up helping out in that regard. I know long-term it ended up they lost the game, but that specific situation, it paid off. And, um, the one thing that I really wanted to point out, and if we could go back to where you were talking about how they were chirping at the bench and everything. Yeah. Um, who was the guy – that went out there and mediated the entire situation is Luke Shen. He was standing there taking all of the, all of it. He took all of it. He, he threw out a couple back. He was standing there sheriffing the whole situation. And what did the Tampa Bay Lightning do afterwards? Zero. Not one thing. No fights. Tanner Janot threatened to fight Luke Shen. Didn't. Patty Maroon said he was going to kill somebody. Didn't. Brandon Hagel was in there just being <sighs> Brandon Hagel. Nothing happened because Luke Shen jealous. was there. Luke Shen was there with the sheriff hat on, saying, "All right, okay, sit down." You're irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. That was hilarious. That was funny. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to shout out Luke Shen in that because I don't think anybody's going to really give him a whole lot of credit for that scenario and how it kind of played out long term. There was no fights afterwards, and I have a really strong feeling that that's because Luke Shen was kind of in there, putting his body in the way, uh, and saying, "Listen, I'll take everything you got. None of you are going to touch me. Guarantee it." Um, and I, I think that was handled really well by him. So shout out to Luke Shen for that. Well, he's brought in for that stuff, right? He's brought in not just for the fisticuffs or the physical play, but also being a deterrent for that stuff not to happen. You know, it's the reason why we so much want Wayne Simmons to be in the lineup at times because he brings that element of no, you will not, and no, you shall not touch my players or I'll mm -hmm. beat the brakes off you, whether you're my friend, Patty Maroon, or not. And I love the fact that the new guys, and I'll still call them new guys, Lafferty, O'Reilly, McCabe, doesn't matter. Go down the list. Shen as well. They've all got the backs of the guys they're playing with. There's no standing off. And for everybody who's sitting there saying, Mitch Marner watched Steven Stamkos attack Austin Matthews and did dick all, what is Mitch Marner going to do? What is he really <laughs> going to do? Do you all remember when Alex Semin tried to defend Oh my someone God. and beat up somebody <laughs> flippered as yeah. that's what it would be martyr is not there he will not fight he's not going to go and start heaving guys off i don't know if you noticed but he's not the most hulkiest guy either so no he's not a coward and the other part of it too is a smart person would think hmm there's a situation happening if I inject myself into it, I am now the retaliator and I'm going to get a penalty 
and my team is going to be shorthanded because everybody's already paired up and I'm not. There's the smart way to look at it, but everyone's like, oh, Marner, such a wimp. He wouldn't touch anybody. He wouldn't do anything. Well, there's a reason, and he doesn't need to. Everybody's already in the fracas. Why put yourself in there and put your team even more shorthanded? Imagine Marner, Matthews, O'Reilly, and Riley in the box. Doesn't sound yeah. very good. No. Uh, one other thing, too, that this doesn't have to do necessarily with this fight scenario, but um, I heard a quote, and I want to say it was from maybe Ryan O'Reilly after the game. Uh, and I just thought that this was really timely, given the fact that a lot of complaints came in at the end of the season with Sheldon Keefe mixing up the lines like almost every game. Um, why isn't Ryan O'Reilly on the third line? You know, they're putting, they're mixing up, uh, who this guy with this guy, Kerfoot's in the top six. Oh no. Um, one thing that I think it was O'Reilly after the game was asked about, um, cause in the overtime, if you guys noticed, like everybody was playing with everybody in overtime, like they were throwing everything. The lines were out the window. They were just mixing it up. Nyes was out there with Nylander or sorry, with Matthews and Marner. At one point I saw, um, everybody was mixing up. Um, and O'Reilly said, yeah, it was a good thing that we mixed it up so much in the regular season because we're all comfortable with each other now. And that's what I tried to keep telling people, like, you know, these line, these mixing and matching of lines during this last 12 or 15 games or whatever it was, this is only going to pay off, uh, cause these guys are just getting used to each other. So many of them are new. You might as well get them to play on a line for a game or two together just to let them get comfortable with each other. And lo and behold, look, look how the. Look how the uh, final goal happened with Morgan Riley shooting it from the point, but Matthew Nyes was in front of the net, uh, you know, with that with that awesome screen job, even though it went the other way. He was on one side, the shot was the other way, but even either way, he was battling in front of the net. Um, and it was just such a great thing to see, but I, I really wanted to just kind of point that out, that uh, all those line mix and matches that everyone was really getting, like, fire Keefe about, uh, actually paid off. So uh, it worked out. I just really need to point that out because I, I thought I was taking crazy pills at the end of the regular season when I was like, why is everybody complaining about this? This is, this is probably good. Like this isn't, why is this a bad thing? And then it paid off in, in the overtime uh, tonight or last night. Yeah. So I just thought that was really interesting. Can we go back to Matthew Nyes for a second? How freaking good does he look right now? Like I was, I, I don't know about you guys. I was expecting him just to be there, you know, like, he yeah. is being an impact player, and Sheldon Keith has – yes, James, I know you can point to yourself. You, <laughs> you might have called it, but I wasn't expecting him to – Sheldon Keith has so much belief in this kid. He's putting him out with Matthews and Marner right now, and he looks so damn good. He looks like a younger Austin Matthews out there with the stick lifts. I mean, he's getting a little cocky out there. That one bad giveaway blue line mm-hmm. had me cringing, but, man, he looks so good, guys. Yeah. He looks very good. The, the one thing that I really like about Matthew Nyes is what we see in the last three regular season games as well is his ability to position his body between him and the puck and allow stick lifts and just be very physical. And if you noticed last night, one second, guys. If you noticed last night, there was a lot of times when he stripped the puck and he put his body in front of where he was going so the player couldn't immediately go after the puck again. And he charged through a couple of times and was able to get towards the net. So he's really familiar with using that big frame to shield the puck. And I'm not saying he's this player, so don't jump on me, but a la Yarmer Yager used to do with the big frame and the weight, right? Nobody was knocking him off, but he knew also how to position the body, so he kept possession of the puck. 
and could drive the lane he wanted to drive. The one play, Pete, you're talking about where he dipsy doodled one, two, and then the third time got caught. I liked how Ryan O'Reilly got the puck back, bailed the kid out, cleared the zone, but shot a glare at him like, don't Don't do do that in your own zone. Yeah, Get it over the line and out. Simple plays in the playoffs. Do it in the offense. Not playing in Michigan anymore. Yeah. Do it in the offensive zone, not in the D zone, buddy. And he he just gave him a little glare after he cleared the puck out of the zone, like, this is what you need to do. Well, and and that's why it's such a perfect line mate for him to have. And even Noel Achari, too. Like, those guys are the kings of accountability, those two. And to have them on a line with him right now, at this point in his young, young career, like, that's such a perfect pair for him. Uh, And And three heavier guys, too, playing together, right? Sure. You know what I mean? Heavier guys. But smart, like Nolachari, he might seem like he's just a run and gun, like I'm going to hit everything that moves, and for the most part, he is. But he's a smart hockey player. He's he's been a he's been a fringe hockey player for his whole career, and he's made a good, decent living out of it. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he's the king of consistency and reliability, and you're going to put this young player who uh, has tools with those guys. I mean, he's just going to. It's just going to ooze all, all this experience and all this like good, you know, these tips and positive notes and everything are just going to ooze all over um, for Matthew Knight. So it's, I think it's a really good uh, way for him to like learn by fire, but also like learn with some of the best that he could learn from. I think they're, you know, Ochari's going to give him tips on how to play a heavier game and, and O'Reilly's going to, you know, be able to coach him through those times that, you know, the hockey IQ stuff might not be quite there. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's perfect for that. So uh, I, I just can't uh, I can't think of a better couple of guys maybe outside of John Tavares to be on a line full time. Petey, hold on. Did you both just hear what Clark just said? Uh, Achari's got a new nickname. Ochari. 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 He called him Ochari. Oh, like, oh right. apostrophe Chari. <laughs> I love it. Go ahead, Pete. I just wanted to get that in there. Uh, shoot, what was I gonna say? Um, oh yes, um, the bunting suspension is kind of a blessing in si- disguise here. Where the hell does he like? I don't see nice coming out of the lineup. Where does when bunting's done his suspension? Where do you fit him in here? Fourth line. I already said it. Fourth line. Take out Lafferty's back. Pair him up with Perry. I no, but you, imagine your bottom line. Your bottom line is David Camp. Zach Aston Reese and Michael Bunting. What a pain in the ass line. Yeah, but I, I feel like Lafferty's done enough that I, and that line as a fourth line, I feel like has done enough that I don't know if you break them up. Like, I, it's such a weird scenario because Michael Bunting was a, the literally first line left winger to start this series. And I'm having a really hard time, like Pete just said. Like, I'm having a hard time figuring out where he slots back in. I just, that's the only way I put him in the injury, The only other way I could see it is if, they somehow decide to bench Kerfoot and they put him in the top six again where Kerfoot was playing last game. Cause if you guys noticed Kerfoot didn't play a ton in the overtime, I think he had a few shifts, but yeah. Uh, wasn't very good. Yeah. Like they, that's why I think they were mixing up Matthew Nyes in the top six a little bit in the overtime. Yeah. Cause they were, yeah. I, I want to say he's passed the depth chart a little bit on, on Kerfoot and not that Kerfoot doesn't have a spot on this team. Cause like I've said all year, uh, Keith loves the guy. He puts him out in a lot of situations where a lot of guys probably wouldn't do well. Uh, he's in there for the penalty kills and everything. I just, yeah, I don't know where you put Bunting, to be honest. And does Sheldon Keith have any trust in that guy anymore? That's the other thing is, can he put him out there with 
thinking that they're going to not be on a penalty kill if he comes back off. Like, that's the other thing you have to think of is it's not just is he better than these guys. Is it Can the coaching staff trust the guy to to not get suspended again? Like, that's kind of where we're at now with him. Well, here's the thing. I mean, liability be damned. He's only been suspended once. I know sure. the reputation. Yeah, absolutely. The reputation precedes him. Obviously, he gets a lot of penalties now. He's not the ref's favorite, et cetera. Go down the list, all these different things. At the end of the day, Michael Bunting is a talented hockey player who can keep up with some of the best players that we have on this team and is shown to be able to do so. The problem I have, though, is you do not re-interject him into this series. Why? Because you know Tampa is going to go after him and they're going to do all the pesky little garbage crap that's going to get under his skin He's going to be chirping or swinging or punching or all this stuff, and he's going to get thrown out of the game or he's going to get thrown in the box, like you said, and that'll be the problem. So for me, I think Michael Bunting is best for round two, and yes, I am putting the cart before the horse. The Leafs are getting it done this year. Leafs in five is a real thing, but Bunting, for me, I look at this lineup and say, guys, why mess with anything right now? If you have a bad game tomorrow then maybe you reevaluate the fact that you have bunting in your back pocket or you look at the entirety of tomorrow night's game and say X player, maybe it's Kerfoot, maybe it's nice, didn't have a good game. Let's throw bunting in there for the boost, the spark for whatever, you know, that's the way you might do it. But tomorrow night, from what I'm hearing through the grapevine is Wes McCauley will be the referee. Oh. Oh my goodness! <laughs> apparently, look out, leave Twitter. He's refing apparently game four and potentially game seven. Wow! That is of course he is. Set. Well, we so, won't need to get the game seven, so that's good. So I'm just saying that could be not a fun thing, but at least if he does come back bunting for game five, whether the Leafs are up down. Any which way you want to slice it, he will not be facing Wes McCauley again. But um, Eric, Eric Furlan, Chernak has already been out for – they've already ruled Eric Chernak out for game four. Game four, um, he's out. I haven't seen anybody else, but I know that for sure it's Chernak. He's, apparently well, he's let's, ruled let's get out. Into the new, let's get into the news and notes. So the lease will be sure. healthy. Everyone is good to go. They will not be apparently making any lineup changes that we know of of substance. So we'll see. Wayne Simmons is skating with the team, but – I don't think he gets in, guys. I really don't. Yeah, and, and on that, not on Wayne Simmons specifically, but on the lineup changes and their, the lack of lineup changes, um, saw a lot of people calling for Timothy Lilligren to get in the game, uh, especially game two. Not yeah. as much going into game three, but still still saw it. Since game one, like, listen, I know Justin Hall was on the ice for a bunch of goals in game one. Not going to sit here and say that Justin Hall had his best game of all time. But he, since then, last two games, Justin Hall has been blocking shots. He's been playing an important role as he, he has all season. Uh, he Exactly. And I think Justin Hall has, again, cemented himself in the lineup for me. Uh, and I just – I don't know what else he – does he have to score goals? Like, he, he's got to score goals, I think, in order for any fans, a bunch of fans, to, to get off his back. I don't know what else the guy can do. He's out there laying his body on the line the last two games doing a great job on the penalty kill on one of the most potent power plays in the league historically. Uh, And he's out there doing a great job. Uh, And on a shutdown pair, doing a pretty solid job for most of the game. Uh, I I don't know what else this guy has to do because all the things he does are unsung and nothing that he does positively will ever negate or take away that 
that blush that he has on his resume because a big chunk of this fan base just can't get over it. Yeah. Uh, that he gave, he had a couple of goals against while he was on the ice in the first game, and he had like a couple giveaways early in the season. So it's ah, oh. but he, whatever he does, it's like he can't do enough positive things to get out of that doghouse, and he, I just don't think he ever will. But I think uh, if that one that hit the post last night went in, and he was the OT oh, hero, you imagine. <laughs> I forgot about that. He would have been. <laughs> oh he would have been very easily lauded as the uh, yeah. the savior for Leafs Nation. But it is it is what it is with Justin Hall. Um, another defenseman. I mean, this came up around here right now. TJ Brody not looking the best last night. I one mean, of the worst games he's had, and you're, we're not used to seeing that from the one of our best defensemen. Just solid defensively. Like TJ is like he's never talked about because he does his job so well. He's not here to score goals. He just shuts teams down. And yep. unfortunately, he kept giving the puck away last night. Like they were just brutal giveaways. It looked like he was playing with a broomstick out there, but. Uh, not used to seeing that, TJ. He'll come back. Well, that's the good thing about TJ Brody and Clark. I'll let you touch on this too. Is usually when he does have a bad outing, he holds himself accountable, a la, a la like Elias Samsonov does, or other guys on this team. But he holds himself to a higher standard. And the next game he comes out, he's usually the guy first sliding down in his belly, breaking up a two-on-one, sending the Leafs the other way. So I think the bounce-back game for uh, for TJ Brody will be there. The, the big, big question here for the Toronto Maple Leafs going into tomorrow night's game, obviously we talked about Eric Cernock not being available, but now Braden Point is a day-to-day game-time decision now because of that injury. I think that's more gamesmanship than anything about the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we all have to remember, Victor Hedman is a one-legged man, okay? He's not a 100% Victor Hedman. And I'm very firm on this belief, and I don't care what anybody says, if you know a guy is hurting, it's old school playoff hockey. You lumber him with as much body and stick work as you can. And don't tell me players don't do it. We've had multiple on this show, whether it's GMs, coaches, ex-players, current players. They all say the same thing. If you find an injury, you attack it. You go after it. You hit the guy a little harder. You put a little extra juice into your shot. Whatever it is, if he's blocking a shot and you know he's going to block it, you laser it. And they laser it into where it hurts. And that's what they need to do tomorrow to Victor Hedman. I'm not saying hurt the guy, but I'm saying make him feel every shift. It's a war of attrition. Make it feel that way. Make him not want to be out there. Make him want to quit. That's what they're going to do to you. That's exactly what they're going to do to you. So why not get there before they do? And that's that's exactly what I feel tomorrow. I think the Leafs tomorrow come out and it's going to be a tight, tight game. 3-1. The Leafs will be up 2-1 most of the game. They'll score an empty net, and it'll be a 3-1 game. It's a bold prediction. Love it. You remember uh, when Eric Carlson came back from his big injury and everybody found out that he couldn't, like, pivot to the left? So everyone just skated around him to the left because he couldn't do it? Yep. Um, I feel like that's something that the Leafs have got to do. Just, like, constantly go in if they know what knee it is or what leg it is or whatever it is. Go that way. Make them turn that way over and over again and just make it – like you said, like keep pounding it. Um, just keep going. Make them turn. Make them turn. Make them turn, and just keep. And then by the tenth or fifteenth or twentieth time he does it, he's going to get sick of it, or it's going to start hurting more and more, and it's just going to get worse. So that's I think one way that they can do it with a guy like Victor Hedman because he's so solid every other way. Like I don't think that hitting him is going to necessarily make it worse. I think make it's if it's especially if it's if it's a knee or a ligament of some kind. Um, I remember, uh, 
I'm using my personal experience here again from Adam Brooks. Shout out to Adam Brooks. Uh, I got his jersey over here. But uh, yeah, in the playoffs in the year we were with the Pats, he was uh, knocked out in one of the games against Swift Current the year we went to the finals. And he basically like, he didn't tear his MCL, but he like hurt it pretty good. Um, and he could have played, but like it would have been 50, 60% like at best. And uh, so he waited and came back a little bit later, but, uh, that was the big thing is it was like, is his pivoting and his crossovers and stuff, they weren't as strong. So if it's an MCL, uh, which I'm not saying it is, but if it is something like that, if it's a ligament specifically, and you can figure out the way that it, it doesn't work because ligaments all like, you know, pushing off to the side is a ligament, pushing backwards is a ligament turning your knee is a ligament so like if you can figure out kind of what ligament it is i'm i'm serious like if you can figure out the specific one and you can kind of uh figure out the way the best plan of attack to manipulate that i think that's the way and with the leaf uh, sports science guys on staff i i imagine they already have i already they probably already know what it is uh so i'll let them figure that out but i think that's one of the better ways you can attack this guy so tomorrow, obviously, we'll look at a guy like Andre Vasilevsky and say he doesn't have very many bad outings. But this series so far, first game, three goals. Second game, seven goals. Third game, four goals. Let's He's giving up too many. So, I mean, either tomorrow night is a return to form for Andre Vasilevsky or the Leafs just have his number, which they did last year as well but they weren't able to get the kill strike like they got last night. So now you go into this game. I think tomorrow is more of a must win than game two and game three was for the Maple Leafs. Cause I think you need to take a stranglehold on this series and really put your foot on Tampa's neck and give yourself the most opportunities to get the damn job done. And that's why I think tomorrow night is a very, pivotal game for the Toronto Maple Leafs and a lot of people may disagree with that I don't want to be 2-2 with Tim I want to be up 3-1 I want to go home I want to have a cup of tea I want to shower and then I want to whoop Tampa's ass and go on to the next round after game five yeah and especially if you can take both from Tampa in Tampa I mean um, the amount of confidence that gives you if it does happen to get to a game six I think is so important if you if you know that you beat them twice in their house in the last week uh then i think that changes the entire attitude of what that potential hopefully not needed game six brings um but i yeah don't don't let it get to game six just just end it yeah (laughs) no just end it keep that pressure keep your foot on the pedal all those all those things that you would hear all the cliches about winning just just do the damn thing. They can do it. They just win for just win this series, please. <laughs> but please. I think I think they're gonna come out bit better. They were garbage last night. They they know that. They know they gotta be better. I think they come out flying tomorrow night. And if they can get the first, I think they're gonna run away with it. I really do. And I, I tell you guys this all the time, especially down in Tampa. Tampa knows how to run their building and really get the fans into it. So that first five minutes of every period is very pivotal. And I say that because you got guys that will go and run the team through the glass and get the fans into it. If that building is crazy and raucous and loud and every single hit is just amplified that much more by Tampa, it's going to be hard for Toronto to capture that mo. 
But if you get out there, lay a couple licks yourself and pot a cheap one in there, like Mitch Marner did in game two real early, that's the way you got to do it. You really got to take it to them. Take the building equation out of it and make it in your favor. The Leafs can do it. That's the way it's going to be done right there. And tomorrow night, Samsonov, he's going to stand on his damn head. And anybody who says Samsonov has not been good, please put oh, that notion to bed. So he's good. the only reason why we won last night, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. We need to start – the crowd needs to start chanting Sammy. Like, I tried doing it while I was at the game, uh, uh, game two. But, um, yeah. We they only know Sonar, Sammy. bro. Come on now. Sonar. So one of the two. <laughs> we got we got to cheer our guy on. He's a uh, he's, – our brick wall in that right now, man. Listen, in regards to Tampa and Clark, I said this to you, Chris Weigel, uh, Myron, and I forget and who else was on there with us. I think it was the four of us, wasn't it? It was the four of us. But anyways, there was somebody else. Uh, it wasn't Myron, though. Or wait, yeah, yeah Myron. It was Myron. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just the four of us. But anyways, I said that I'm sick of Tampa. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of Maroon. I'm sick of Perry. I'm sick of all of them. Just end it. Perry sucks. Joe Perry sucks for sure. For sure. But I'm going to tell you right now. I look at this game tomorrow night and I say, Toronto wins it. Toronto wins game five. I want Pete to just, Pete should be on every news outlet there is with that jersey. It's uh, it's getting a little bit of attention there, guys. So um, hopefully (laughs) I get to wear it for the rest of the series. Then maybe I put it away. I don't know. I'll I'll let you guys decide. No, you got to bring it back wow. out. For bring it back. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to, not trying to piss off all of Leafs Nation off right now, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It is a fun little meme. If they, I, I'm going to put it away for Boston and just go from there. That Boston series will be I something. That Boston series will be something because that team, that team is going to be beat up after the Florida series. So I'm hoping Toronto. Well, we've already seen done. we've already seen Bergeron miss a game, right? Krejci was a healthy scratch, right? Uh, and we, I think DeBras got messed up pretty good last game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, they they yeah, they're not they're not necessarily getting all that series breaks, clean. Like Allmark, too. Allmark, yeah. Well, Allmark uh, was hurt, didn't he? Didn't Allmark miss a game too? He left today's game. He, yeah, he left early because he. I think he got kicked out. Tried to to fight. He took his mask there. off to fight uh, to Chuck. Oh, yeah. Geez. yeah, yeah. I guess I missed that game. <laughs> I got to um, that one. Here's the thing, and everybody in my lives know this. Uh, I've been saying this, and I'll preach this: um, one thing at a time, one step at a time, one play at a time, one shift at a time, one period at a time. That's the way the Leafs need to keep doing this, and it looks like that's what they're doing. They're not allowing themselves to get too high off a of victory or too low off a loss, not too high off a goal, not too high off a goal against, or low off a goal against. So it looks like they're just really, you know, taking everything just like this and breaking it down and doing it right. And, I mean, so far it's served them well. But I know we're joking talking about, hey, the Bruins, but uh, let's not look past the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are a three-time cup challenger, two-time winner for a reason the past three years. So – you know, there's no reason to discount them, but uh, I really think this Leafs team got something going on. The last thing I want to ask you guys about: what other series right now that is happening has your attention? Definitely Edmonton in LA right now. I am excited to watch that. I don't know what the score is right now. I think it started at nine, but uh, I am going to be dialed into that after this uh, pod here. 
Um, it'll be, man, I know LA's up to one. If they knock out Edmonton, man, I am so intrigued to see what will happen with that that core group because you know they're going to make some big changes. So I'm I'm dialed into that series. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that series. But go ahead, Clark. I'll give my answer here. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the Dallas and Minnesota. I think there were two really evenly matched teams going into it. Now the series is at 2-2 after today. Um, that's already gone to overtime. So, like, I just think that uh, that's one of the series. Like, I, I picked Dallas to go pretty far uh, in my bracket video that I made. So, um, I want to see how they get out of this against Minnesota. Because Minnesota is one of those teams where they'll always put up a good fight in the playoffs, regardless of if they win or lose. Um, and then I feel like you're worse off for it in the next round, usually if you play Minnesota. So it's going to be interesting to see if Dallas can sneak out of that series. It's 2-2, like I said. Um, so uh, going back to Dallas for game five, we'll see. Uh, I think Dallas has a team that's built to get pretty far in the playoffs, um, but we'll have to see how Minnesota thinks about that. My series right now is I'm loving the Winnipeg-Vegas series. What a battle. These two teams go into overtime. Both teams are not liking each other. Lots of physical play. Lots of different things going back and forth. I'm loving that series. And I know Vegas is on the run right now. But, hey, listen, I want Winnipeg to win because I don't like Vegas. I don't think anybody really likes Vegas, to be (laughs) honest with you. Getting in the league and doing all the things that they've done so far. Come on now. But, anyways, tomorrow night it's going to be fun. We will be back in your ears tomorrow night after game four, seeing what happens between the Bolts and the Leafs. I got the Leafs going up 3-1 in the series, 3-1 in the game. I want to hear it from you too. What is the score? Pete the Heat tomorrow night. Give me 4-2, buds. 4-2. I'm, I'm going to go 5-2. I'm going to go a little bit farther than that. Um, okay. I just have a feeling that after what happened, kind of, I mean, after last game's finish, of course, obviously it ending with a last-minute goal and then an overtime loss for Tampa. Um, and then all the shenanigans that went into that game, that's one of those games I feel like as a team that's just extremely deflating. Um, and when that happens too, uh, you know, you had the lead for most of the game. There was a lot of effort put into that rough stuff kind of in the middle there. Uh, A lot of stuff went on in the third period, a lot of battling, really intense game, uh, and you lost it. Um, It's just one of those games where I wonder if that kind of carries over into the next game, Uh, that kind of uh, defeatist mentality, and it gets Tampa. So I can't imagine that that's going to last too long. Uh, John Cooper is one of the best in the game at, uh, you know, manipulating his players' uh, mentalities and, and, attitudes and stuff so i can't imagine that that's going to creep in too much but i just wonder if it's going to creep in just enough to allow the leafs to get off to a bit of a hot start again and then and then if that happens where do those attitudes go from there uh if the leafs get like two early ones for example or something like that how is that going to affect the rest of the game so i'll say five two uh and we're just going to go with it five two all right five two i got three one for the leafs pete's got four two with an empty netter as well So listen, tomorrow night, it's going to be the Leafs and the Bolts again. Game four, get fired up. I know a bunch of us will be live. It's going to be a great time, but we will be going on after the show, putting on a show for you, Leafs Nation, when the Leafs do pick up the victory. And right now, it's 1-0 LA over the Edmonton Oilers. Let's go LA Kings, baby. 
Let's make some Edmonton fans angry. But hey, Leafs Nation, you know what it is around here. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. Yeah.